So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hello, welcome to another episode of Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. This is Emily, and I'm here, as always, with my husband, Andrew. Hey, guys. We're super excited for you to be with us today. It's going to be a really interesting and unique podcast. Very interesting episode. Episode. <laughs> I think you can say both for both. You can say you podcast can say for like the thing. overarching thing and for the individual episode, but yeah, you know. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? So today... Um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention at all, but there is some strife in our country right now and in the world. Um, and there has been some strife that's been, you know, this strife has been going on for some time. Um, and we're talking about racial divisions in our country yes, and in the world. Um, and we wanted to add something meaningful to this conversation uh, that can help other people or help us come together, especially as as Christians, as, as believers, and as followers of Christ. And so as we were thinking about how to do that, uh, we have made some really great friends, and we wanted to talk about specifically the historical divide between predominantly white and predominantly black churches in America, and talk about the effects of that, uh, why that happened, uh, and then why that's still a case today, uh, and then how to change it. And how to change it and the okay. effects of it and why we should change it. You know, Because mm-hmm. like any good change or any good action that we want to, to bring about in the world, we have to understand the why first. Because if we don't understand the why, then the action doesn't be, the required action isn't clear. And so we want to spend a lot of time talking about that. And so we've assembled the dream team here. Hello. <laughs> uh, and so we have some guests here and we wanted them to introduce themselves real quick. Why don't we start with... President Amos. Okay, uh, I'm John Amos. I'm the president of the Louisiana Baton Rouge Mission of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am Michelle Amos. I'm President Amos's wife, and we serve together in the Louisiana Baton Rouge Mission. Um, our home is Orlando, Florida, and we are excited to be here in Louisiana, serving um, throughout Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas. I'm Seth Richardson. I am the bishop of the Gonzales Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and super excited to be involved in the podcast episode. (laughs) I'm Pastor Harvey Smith, better known as Brother Harvey. I'm pastor of the Divine Grace Temple Church, located at 728 East Highway 30, Gonzales, Louisiana. And I'm super happy and thankful to be part of this, this great meeting. Great. Thank you so much. We're excited to get to know you guys better. Yeah, yeah and I think Pastor Harvey uh, has a really interesting uh, backstory into how he kind of became one of our good friends now. Uh, so Pastor Harvey has been motivated for some time by this topic yes. uh, and out of a desire to start working on a solution, he came over, he took the onus on himself, came over, uh, introduced himself to Bishop Richardson, uh, and started talking. And then that was the beginning of a great friendship that has uh, 
it has Evolved. yielded much great fruit, and we're excited to yes. see where it goes. Oh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I remember the, the first day I, when I came over here that Sunday morning, God had been telling me for about a year, really, you know, you, you're dragging my feet, but finally I said, <laughs> I got to stop, you know, I got to stop. And finally, and, and I came in, he wasn't, he, he was in, you just, you wasn't right. here at the time. I was in another room. In another room. So when he came in, he, he greeted me like uh, he'd been knowing me for years. He's a people's person, you know, and we just uh, merged together, called me brother, from, you know, and that's my thing, brother Harvey, brother, you're my brother, 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 mm -hmm. sisters, and uh, from that point on, it just, it's just been evolving, and uh, it is God's will. We're in the will of God. Uh, uh, greater things are going to happen, and we're at the beginning stage, but uh, I'm excited. Yeah, we're, we're super excited. Everybody's going to take us. Yes. And we're, again, grateful for all of you for taking the time out of your all. All of you have very busy schedules, and so we're grateful for you, know, you being willing to sit down and have this conversation with us. So, President and Sister Amos, uh, could you maybe set the groundwork for our discussion for our sakes, but also for our listeners' sake? Because I know, uh, like for Emily, for, ex for example, didn't grow up in an area where there were a lot of black Americans around her, or black people around her. Right. So when I moved down here and Andrew started talking about how there were like predominantly white or predominantly black churches, I was just very confused. Like, why would there be a separation? Why is there like a divide? I just didn't realize that that was a thing maybe down south or maybe across the whole country. And I was just oblivious. Right. I have no idea. So, and, and we both served missions for our church, but we served missions in a predominantly white country. Um but we did. Ha there were a lot of non-white people who came to our meetings as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this was a new experience for Emily. Right. So I think that that's probably the case for a lot of our listeners that maybe don't know that this is an issue going on within churches. Yeah. So. So with further, without further ado, could you? Uh... <laughs> well, I, I would like to start uh, maybe with a little backdrop, personal story. Mm-hmm. So. As, as um, Brother Jordan mentioned earlier, okay, I'm a lay leader in a predominantly white church in America. Yeah. Now, of course, the church is an international church, mm -hmm. right? They're spread out around all the continents that have people. That's right? <laughs> <laughs> cover the world. <laughs> and and if, you, if you look at Tonga, you know, little island in the Pacific Island, uh, in the Pacific Ocean, the people in Tonga are over 50% of the people on that island are members of this church. Mm -hmm. And when you go to a congregation there, it's Tongans, mm -hmm. right? right? right. If you go to Ghana in Africa mm -hmm. and you go to a congregation, yes. it's Ghanans, yes. if I'm saying that right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, Ghanaians or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and if you come to the United States, you get the impression it's a white church. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Right? And so hmm. it's, it's an interesting topic for me because my personal story, I am born and raised an hour west of Baton Rouge, a place called Opelousas. So this topic of race and church is really real for me. Mm -hmm. And if I think back to a a saying that's been around way back probably since Martin Luther King time, mm -hmm. the most segregated and perhaps the most racist mm -hmm. hour mm -hmm. in America is 11 o'clock Sunday morning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? That, that is something to, to mind around for a minute. And so for 
and, and to really drive the nail that it's about race mm -hmm. is my story if we go back 50 or 60 years ago in Opelousas. In Opelousas, 50, 40, 50 years ago, we all eat the same kind of food there. Strange food, boudin, hog crackling, etouffee, <laughs> right, jambalaya, all with the same recipes. And when I say we, everybody that lives there, regardless of your color. We all play Zodico music, which is very unique to Opelousas area. However, for me personally, I'm from the north side of Opelousas. And so I was raised Catholic in Opelousas, which is not uncommon in a Frenchy part of Louisiana, okay, which Opelousas was at that time. And so on the north side, as I started driving a little bit south from my house, I passed two good-sized Catholic churches. If you stand on the road in front of either of the Catholic churches, you could see the other one. Mm. They're that close, mm -hmm. within a half a mile. One, the first one that I passed heading south from my house was all 100% white people. You go a half a mile down, it was 100% black people. Mm. The Catholic church. The same um, <clears throat> musical hymns with the same lyrics and the same sounds. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> there was nothing unique about the black church singing it mm -hmm. or the white church singing it. Mm -hmm. It sounded equally melodic. Mm -hmm. Okay? <laughs> the priest actually, at any given Sunday, gave the sermons at either of the churches. Really? And the priest was always white. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so it's not a religious question, is it? Hmm. It was purely a race question. Right. Because we had the same culture. We ate the same food. We yes, played right. the same yes, music. Right. But on Sunday at 11 o'clock, <laughs> in a little town like hmm. Alpalusas, a big so it's not about religion. It's not picking on the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It was clearly about race. Right. Right. And was now, the same division visible in your town outside of outside of religion? Was it as clear cut, or was it, for some reason, the mixture of of church and religion? It depends on the topic as to how segregated it was. Right. Certainly, when I was maybe six years old, it was. Mississippi segregated. Right. Right. And by the time I was maybe 12, 13, it wasn't that kind of segregated. But the church was still that kind of segregated. Mm -hmm. you know, the schools were integrated. People kind of got along. We all talked equally funny. Right. I mean, it <laughs> right. was. It We're was all from real, South Louisiana. Yeah. We, we, and, and not only South Louisiana, but Opelousas. Right. 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 So we all had the same version of English. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was 100%. We all had the same weird names. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, mm -hmm. Chenier and uh, Demachet and all of those Frenchy names. <laughs> and it didn't matter what shade you were. Right. Mm -hmm. But come Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, mm -hmm. it was completely different. And so for me today, when somebody say, well, uh, John, why, why you in a predominantly white church? For me, I could say that maybe we have changed so much 
that I'm able to go into the church that was closer to my house now. Right. Instead of continuing that half a mile to go to the other one. It's interesting that that particular example you brought up because in the research that I've done on this topic, and, and it's been something that I've wondered about, thought about, even had anticipated working on until Pastor Harvey beat me to the punch and came over here. Um, well, God did it. <laughs> but he was just more obedient to, to the impulse, uh, which is probably true in many, many aspects of our life. He's a much better person than me. No, 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 no. Um, I, I, would, uh, I, would, I, would, I would not bow down to that. We love you. Yeah, yeah, we love each other. That's one thing for sure, we love each other. And that's going to get us through this journey. <laughs> but one of the things I found interesting in the research was in the United States, which is where we live, so it's the only thing we can deal with, doctrinally, historically, churches were segregated on purpose. The Catholic Church, uh, the Baptist Church, all these kind of things were doctrinally segregated, so they had separate congregations because of doctrine. Mm -hmm. Then it transformed from that to uh, not doctrinally based, but a social base so mm -hmm. you're you're black you're going to go to this church and you're white you're going to go to this church like a lot of our institutions in the country were at that time right they were segregated and then after that when segregation or integration happened um, those churches tended to stay that way because everybody was comfortable where they were and because churches served as a great platform for social change and justice and equality movements that were not happening in white churches because of what you said. The white pastor, the white priest was going from the white Catholic church to the black yeah, Catholic was, church to kinda, teach. Yeah. You didn't have very many black priests no. in the whole Catholic church or very many black leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or very many black preachers in Baptist churches that were not the Southern Baptist Convention or the National Baptist Convention. Right. Now when you had those other religions that were segregated, you had the Episcopalian Methodist community that was uh, very large in the Eastern United States, uh, and the African Episcopalian Methodist congregation that was very large in the Eastern United States. They had all black leadership because they had stayed segregated. They had separated themselves from what their faith had been before, what the doctrines were before. And I just found that so interesting that that's the example you brought up because you saw in your own life the evolution from a doctrinal segregation to a social segregation to maybe at some point a comfort segregation. Right. Well, I, I see that, first of all, traditional, you know, while we separate, it's traditional. And, and as you were saying, uh, don't try to read my bad scripture. Oh, I'm not. I'm right in this, yeah. <laughs> I have to scrape my eyes sometimes myself. Uh, but uh, 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 we have different doctrines different denomination, I, I, that's going to be hard to get someone to change, just keeping it real, the doctrine, you know. But God wants to understand how important the purpose he has for us now, that we have to go knock down the walls of denomination and doctrine and come together for one purpose. More so, if you want to keep your, you know, we're not trying to change the way you have church or vice versa. But the purpose God has for America right now in the world is to spread the message of love because that's the only solution to our problems. He wants us to come together for that purpose. In love, loving each other, then we can spread the, rest, the message of love. Can I ask you a question, Brother yes. Harvey? Uh, you, you mentioned 
difficulty of overcoming differences of, of doctrine. Yeah. Do you see any real difference in the doctrine between between predominantly white churches and predominantly black you know, churches? No, we're similar, more similar than we, we realize. Right. You know, and, and, and there are some differences. But God told me a long time ago that no church is perfect. So it's not for me to say that I'm, my church is more the way God wanted than yours. Because there's no man's perfect. So no church is perfect. We all can be improved and learn from mm -hmm. each other. But again, who I am, who I am with this, what God put in my spirit, for the purpose that he has for us now, we must come together. If we're going to save the future of this nation, this world, and our kids, we must go beyond our denominations, beyond said the, 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 the color of the race, come together as one. This is God's will. God said, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just like the body is one unit, but made up of many parts, so it is with the body of Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ, no matter what denomination you are. And God said in Galatians 3.28 that with him there is no Jew or Gentile. See, there is no black or white. There is no male or female. We all are one in the spirit. So we have to come together in the spirit of God, in the spirit of love. The love is the only way we can do this. Uh, uh, so that we can spread the message of love. I, I, Something I want to say, I guess I'm going to say it right now because it's kind of fitting right great, in. Sounds great place. Um, in 2000, the, the message of love is the greatest, the most important, and the most, most needed message today. We all know that. Always have been. Yeah. But today, like never before, in 2009, God gave me a vision, made it very clear to me, and showed me, <coughs> uh, and told me that there will, be, uh, that, that there will come a time that there will be a love revolution in this nation and it will involve churches of different denominations, people of different races. And he showed me, he said he had set aside a certain day that he, a special day, that he's gonna bring us together, he's gonna bring his glory down. Now I don't know when that's gonna happen. We gotta come together first as, as brothers. The churches have to come together first before he can use us to go out and spread the message of love. And this is the beginning right here. And I'm sure other churches are doing it. The problem we have in this world today, in America, God's love is the only solution. Talking about racism, right? We know that racism is a learned behavior. You know, they, was, they saw it, they was taught it, took seeds planted in their minds, it took root in their hearts. It's the spirit's evil spirit. It's the spiritual warfare. It's going to take the love of God. Only the love of God can, can erase, mm -hmm. eradicate racism, remove fear. There's nothing else would do it. And so th th this is, this is, you know, we gotta, how do you do it? And I'm getting ahead of myself. We have to teach the principle. They got to know why. Right. They learned how to be racist by listening to the wrong information. So we got to give them the right information. And with the love of God, that would change their hearts. Uh, I give this analogy in my church. We have to get to the source of racism. Uh, we have to, again, dress all the external means, change the policies and, and, and filter the police and all the synthetic racism, all of these things must be dealt with. But if you don't deal with the source, which is the evilness in their hearts, uh, we're not going to stop it. 400 years from now, we'll be talking about it. Uh, my great, great, great grandkids will be talking about it. Uh, I'm a pharmacist and I lived in Chicago for 40 years. I used to have a pharmacy up there, Smith's Pharmacy. I had one of my 
customer came in one time, had a bad rash on the hand. It was really bad, you know. She, she called me Dr. Smith back then. Dr. Smith, <laughs> what can I do? And I said, you know, you, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor because they're probably going to give you some corticosteroids, and, and the doctor did. And after two weeks of using it twice a day, it was a very potent ointment. Uh, I told him to use it sparingly, thinly, twice a day. And she used it, and two weeks, it disappeared. She came back to Mr. Dr. Smith, look. Two weeks later, she came back, she stopped using it, and it came back again. And I said, hmm, you have something. This is not the source. This is a symptom. Something is going on on the inside of you. Got to be some type of bacteria or something that's causing this. And sure enough, they finally found out that's what it was. They treated the source of the rash, which was the bacteria in the rash stop. Mm -hmm. So racism, all this external killing is a racism in action, but the source is in the heart. If we don't treat the source, we're not going to stop it. Right. And die down, it's going to keep coming back. And yeah, I love that. I love yeah. the, the message that you're sharing. And I think um, the first step is. You know, first, we, we understand that only the love of Christ is going to fix all these problems. Exactly. You know, we talk about policies and all these kind of things are important, and we'll implement them as we, as we try and figure this out. But at the beginning, there needs to be the love of Christ at the center of this In solution. The and the only way to do that, I, I really believe, is through the churches. The because church. the churches are the place where people come, and they strengthen that relationship with Christ. So my next question is I feel like most churches that I have been to are saying some message like what you're saying, mm -hmm. Brother Harvey. Mm -hmm. um, there are very few churches that I've... I don't think... I've never been to a church where there was open racism or there was an open right. idea... Animosity like, towards right. another... Right. Right. And granted, right. I'm younger, so I didn't have the uh, opelousis experience of mm -hmm. President Amos's youth, <laughs> but at least in my lifetime, I have not seen that. Yeah, yeah. So why... Is there still this divide between white and black churches when the white churches are preaching something very similar, similar. to what, what Pastor or Brother yeah. Harvey's preaching, yeah. and yeah, yeah. a lot of the black churches are preaching preaching exactly what Brother Harvey's yeah. preaching? Yeah. Sister Amos has a smile on her face, so I think I think she, she has, has something, something to say. <laughs> yeah, the um, the black church is not just a place where we learn about Jesus Christ. It's a part. It's a place where African Americans go and share their ideas for the community, making their community better. And so in the church, in the black church, you're addressing community needs. You're addressing poverty. So you're using the gospel to help the members overcome poverty, or you're using the gospel to help the members overcome their drug addictions or any of the problems that are going on in the community. We go to churches um, that are with, within our community, and so those churches are preaching to the needs of the people that are close to them. Um, what, what you also have is politics enters into it. So black people go to church not just for to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to meet their needs of their community, and th which are going to be very different from the needs of right. the community down the street that doesn't have those same issues. Or the politics is going to be very different. They're going to want to you know, talk to leaders that are going to help address their politics. Mm -hmm. So until... We have to, I think, I'm, I'm into the solution, but um, the solution is we've got to separate politics and community needs from church. Somehow the churches have to preach Jesus Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to find other avenues, other options 
to bring in or address political issues or the needs of the community. That's uh, just uh, my opinion. from you is, in some black neighborhoods, the needs are greater. The needs are greater and they're different. They're different and they're greater. That is so true. And the, and the black churches are used because that's the place where we're going back to your original comments about history. Um, African Americans didn't have positions of leadership. Mm -hmm. And um, after the wars and through slavery, every we were very segregated. And so you had the churches separated. And so the black churches were addressing the needs of the African Americans, which were very different from the white people. And so um, the churches also offered them leadership positions where they couldn't feel that out in society. Mm -hmm. And so church was ours. Mm -hmm. It was where I could go have my jubilee, where I could rejoice with my Savior and, and give that, give me that hour, give me that two hours of good soul music. That I, that's culture. That's a part of the culture. So the church is just more than just Christ. It's culture. It's community. It's about meeting my needs. And if you don't do that in a white church, then I don't have a reason to stay in your church. So I may come because of Christ, but if you're not meeting my cultural needs, if the people in your congregation don't have the same community needs, um, that's what makes it really hard to retain African Americans in a white church because they're looking to feel comfortable, they're looking to have positions of leadership and, and power and make a good influence in the church. And so it's, it's very, church is a, has a different basis for, for people of different cultures. I think so, just, just specifically to that point, that it was their only forum for political expression yes. at one point. They were not offered, you know, black Americans were not offered an opportunity to have political expression or have their will, and, you know, brought, borne out amongst their community In because their community, right. you only had white political leaders. You only had, and, and quite often, again, they're a minority in the United States. Even today, they're a minority group. And so our political system's based on majority rule. Mm. And so now you've seen for preservation purposes or cultural purposes, whatever it may be, you have black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods. And now we have such large population that you will have now black representation. But even then, it's only going to be for that small community. And I think exactly what you're saying, the church in the African-American community is much more, more than, than just gospel. doctrine. That's correct. It is life. Now, mm -hmm. from my perspective of having studied not just that part of the history of it, but also the history of our church, our church was much like that in the early days in the United States. That's right. right? We were a minority group, though we were predominantly white. We were persecuted and chased mm -hmm. and killed and you know, mm -hmm. beaten and run out of every place we tried to live till we ran off to the desert. And then but, they chased after us there. Yeah, again, <laughs> even <laughs> there. We went into hiding, right? But, but the issue was it was a community place. Church was community, right? That's where we had political expression. That's where we had opportunities for leadership. That's where we had opportunities to address the needs of our community. And so I don't mean to be disagreeable at all. I think church should definitely be community-based. Now, politically motivated, I don't know. There, yeah. There's a yeah, fine line fine there. Line, yeah but community motivated yeah, yeah, yeah. of looking at your membership and yeah. you're saying, hey, in this church, we look after every person who belongs. Mm -hmm. And really, well, in our church, we mm -hmm. believe 
even the people who don't belong to our church, mm -hmm. who live within the geographic yeah. boundaries yeah. of our congregations, we have, a need. we have an obligation to them too. Mm -hmm. Emily, I think you were trying to say something. Oh, I was just curious, maybe from personal experience um, uh, that any of you have, how do you think we could make a white person feel more comfortable in a congregation that's predominantly black or a black person more comfortable in a congregation that is primarily white? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever spent much time in a congregation that's predominantly black? I have not. I have. Mm -hmm. And I feel totally comfortable. Okay. Like I've been to not just Pastor Harvey's church, but mm -hmm. I've been to several other predominantly black churches mm -hmm. and I feel totally fine. I think more than anything, it's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. Like right. when I go in, mm -hmm. I don't assume they think of me any differently. Right, right. Yeah. right. I go in and say, hey, I love you. I'm assuming you love me mm -hmm. back. I think I scared Brother Harvey the first time he showed up here. <laughs> yeah, the, the brother. I said, yeah. hey, how are you? And I wrapped him in yeah. a big bear. Yeah, yeah, he did. I'm like, he surprised me. Yeah. I he said, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Because I'm a hugger too. Uh, uh, you're exactly right. He said, how do you go past that, how you how you get used to it or whatever, you have to actually go get go to one of the churches. You have to start sense. by going and sitting yeah. in there. And then you'll see, because I can talk to you all day long, until you go and experience it, mm -hmm. then you see the same God is in, it, in, this, in that house, church house is in your, in your church house. Uh, 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 and you see the people's uh, praising God and loving God the same way. Uh, you get a, a feel about you know how 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 the environment is. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to go actively and participate in one. And I didn't ask that question to be accusatory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Emily, at all. <laughs> it, I I just figured you probably have I not, ha yeah. no, having I grown up yeah. where you grew up and and not had right. a lot of experience here. Mm -hmm. But again, I and the the Amoses can probably speak to it from the opposite side of mm -hmm. it, going from a predominantly black church and feeling comfortable coming yeah. to a predominantly white yeah. church and being in a congregation like that, but. You know, I think more than anything, it's an individual, hey, I'm yeah. just not going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to know that we're worshiping the same God. So mm -hmm. I think there are two kind of, not contradictory points brought up, but two mm -hmm. maybe different veins that I want to address. I think are both very interesting. And so we talked about the difference of the role of the church in the black community and the white community mm -hmm. in, in general, right? There's differences, and I think historically... Um, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even currently just outside of the United States, where the church members are looked down upon a little more aggressively, we'll say, uh, the church still holds a community value, much like the, the black church does for black Americans here. Mm -hmm. um, and so what Sister Amos was talking about was kind of this... Uh, if I understand right, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of a need to change in the black community, like take the politics out of church in that community. Am I wrong in saying that? No, I think I what I think this we're into the solutions. I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, I think we're kind of we're. I guess you have to talk about it all together at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to completely delineate. But, um, yeah. the message, really the message think, for yeah. the message for churches has to be if it's Christian. It has to be the love of Jesus Christ. That's it, mm -hmm. right. That has got because without Christ, we don't have Christianity. We don't have a faith, and so that message and what Christ taught, greatest commandments: to love God. The second is like unto it: to love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm -hmm. And so, if we are, and Jesus Christ Him Himself told us that if you love me, 
you're going to keep my commandments Mm -hmm. and you're going to do the things that you see me do. Mm -hmm. And so if churches can be based on that doctrine, Mm -hmm. the doctrine of Jesus Christ being our Savior and our Redeemer and the need for people to repent Mm -hmm. and to do the things that they see Jesus Christ do, I, I think that should be the basis of any religion right. or any church congregation. Right. So churches, and maybe separately, you can mm-hmm. have different meetings um, mm-hmm. to talk about all the other stuff that where your congregations <clears throat> may not agree upon. Even within our churches, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we don't all agree on the same right. politics. Right. So if you preach politics in our church, you're going to offend people. Yeah. And that's how you can offend people. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you if you preach, you know, the needs of the community where they're different mm-hmm. from your black people, your Hispanic people, and your white people, mm-hmm. if those needs are different and you have someone in the pulpit saying this is the way it should be, mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same answer for everyone. And it creates microcosms in a community right. where then those communities can't fully participate in other communities because they have been separated because now there's this right. additional layer on their religious belief that makes it difficult for them to kind of be a part, be a part of, of the, the larger feel comfortable because as soon as you start talking about an issue and you've excluded me because of my race or my background or my level in my class and society um i'm not going to feel comfortable right it's not right. that good because you don't understand me you don't understand you don't understand right. my issues you don't, you want right to. so, right. so that, that's another reason we should should start uh, merging together Get to, try to understand each other mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like uh, it, it, it was asking the question we have to get to understand each other better by listening to each other, spending time. Again, you have to come to the church. I have to come to your church to get to understand and, and mingle, uh, uh, and you find out we got more similarities than differences. But when you understand someone and their background, uh, your perception about them will change, you know, and you understand vice versa, both ways. Both ways. Mm-hmm. It's a matter God said, for the lack of knowledge, my people would perish. For like knowledge, we would be separated, you know. We have to understand each other and, and, and get a better education about it. And it, that's the first step. Right. But at the end of the day, if God loves not involved, God's not involved. Because God is love. Right. Right. When you let love be in control, God is in control. You never lose. You're always mm-hmm. gonna win. So back to the, the love is the, the love of God is the right. solution. At and, the end of the day. You know? And there was um oh there is a oh ret- retired or deceased Archbishop of Stockholm. I can't remember his name now. I probably should look this up before, but I wasn't planning on sharing this. But uh, he said that his three, there are three things that we should always keep in mind as we are uh, approaching other religions or other churches. And the first one was ask a person, ask a believer and not uh, an enemy of that church. Yes. Can't remember the second you one. Want to get to the source. But the the third one is one that the I want to bring up. There's this idea of of a holy, um, holy envy. Holy envy, and so uh, I think maybe what we could take from this is th- that maybe the extent to which the black church has become so community focused uh, is in some ways negative. If it's taken too too far, you know, just like any virtue, any virtue taken too far makes that virtue a vice. 
but I think we can have some holy envy, kind of like what Bishop Richardson was talking about, as we look at these church, black churches who've done such a good job mm-hmm. of being so invested in the community. Mm-hmm. So what can we do, maybe, what can the white churches do in America, since they are maybe a little bit less vital to the community, and how can the white churches you know, practice holy envy and try and become mm-hmm. a little more community-based uh, so that they can help uh, black Americans as they want, if they want to join those churches, even if they don't join churches, right, just right. like that there's not this weird divide. They're going to be, you know, again, work together. Again, we can learn to work together on certain projects in the community mm-hmm. because Jesus always took care of the people's needs, so we got to address the needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and I tell you, when you, if I'm hungry and you feed me, even though you're white, it's going to touch my heart. It's going to draw me to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I think, and vice versa, if we can learn to help each other when there's a need in the community of wherever, God would use that to merge us together, you know, and the peoples. So when you touch, you do something from your heart and touch people, you touch a person's heart and you got them. Right. You know, yeah. I think, I think the key is what you just said there. When you touch a person's heart, mm-hmm. right? Even in the white churches, predominantly white churches, and even in predominantly black churches, you have some people who are there all in, mm-hmm. right? They're converted. Their heart is consecrated. Mm-hmm. They are, mm-hmm. They're the ones who make the community a community mm-hmm. because they're the ones who care about everybody else. Mm-hmm. But you have those members of every faith who don't care about everybody else, right? Selfish. They go to church, whether it's out of habit or because a spouse or a parent or somebody makes them or whatever it is, you have that everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's an individual thing. The Savior taught sermons to thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Fed them, right? Mm-hmm. Just you were talking about feeding. Yeah. He fed 5,000. Mm-hmm. He fed 4,000. Mm-hmm. How many of those people followed him when he stopped feeding them? Yeah. They all turned away. Yeah. But you talk about the woman who had an issue of blood. Or you talk about the man, uh, Jairus, who he raised that man's daughter from dead, mm-hmm. from death. Those people were converted. You talk about Nicodemus, mm-hmm. where the Savior was one-on-one with him mm-hmm. and taught him the gospel and touched his heart. Mm-hmm. That's where you have change. Mm-hmm. And so while we can talk about big picture types of things, mm-hmm. this change is an individual, yeah. one heart to one heart. So if I don't sit down and talk to Brother Harvey, mm-hmm. or I don't sit down and talk to President Amos mm-hmm. or Sister mm-hmm. Amos and express to them my love and help to understand each other individually, mm-hmm. It's never going to change. Mm-hmm. If we don't do it on an individual basis yes. in my church, yes. or we don't do it on an individual basis in your church, yes. you never get that big picture change this, this because you don't be. have yeah. the individual change of heart. Each one, one I was saying at our church, we have evangelistic uh, a ministry that goes out once a month, and every three months the whole church goes out. We call Divine Grace Temple, taking Gonzalez. But each one touch one, each one reach one. You know, and you said, you start with one at a time. One of my, Jesus Christ is my role model, but one of my earthly role models is Mother Teresa. I never met her, but I read about her story, mm-hmm. and that's all she did, one on one. She wrote to one person at a time. That's a, that was her thing, and uh, I read about one of the wealthiest people in, person in the world, extra one time, what you want me to do, how much money you want? She said, what you can do is, is go out and help that person over there, you know? One, so, so that wealthy person to another person and, and minister to them. That's what you can do if you want to help me. And so one-on-one, that's what we, we do it. One person at a time. If every, we got 2.2 2 
billion Christians in the world, they said today. 7.6 billion people all together, I mean, which means about 5 point something billion people that's lost. If every Christian, I know that probably would never happen, but every Christian will make up their mind in the next three years to minister to three peoples, we can save the world. I did my calculation. And that's what I love revolution is so important. If the churches can come together, because we got to, you got to start with us and give birth to a, a love revolution, that's what God wants, and get the Christians fired up to just go to, in your neighborhood. Each church take care of their own neighborhood, I mean, your community. Mm -hmm. It won't be that hard. We're back to the community. That's it. Back to yeah, the we're community. back to the it community. It won't be that hard, mm -hmm. you know? So this is the thing, so this is says that only about 5% of churches go really go out and evangelize. That's sad. Yeah. That's what, sad. What we're, what we're getting about, what we're talking about too, is going back to that doctrine of Jesus Christ, yeah. where Jesus Christ himself showed us the example. He said, leave sure. the 90 and 9 and go and find the one. Yeah, one. And then That's he gives right us there. a beautiful parable of the Samaritan, where it, you know, these were people who could have hated each other. Mm -hmm. But you got to get beyond the hate. Yes. You got to get beyond all the racism. Yes. And you got to serve one another and yes. help one another. If we could all see each other as a child of God and not as, I, I, I think I, I've heard this recently that um, man made up racism. Mm -hmm. God sent us all down here mm -hmm. as his children. That's right. We are And children. so we have created colors and mm -hmm. races. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get beyond the yes. look of your skin yes. and see you as yes. a child of child God. God. And if we, we can are. do that, yes. it wasn't matter you know, what yes. race you are, what yes. country you're from. Yes. If you're in need, you're going to help somebody. Yes. And the only way we can do that, only one way we can do that is through the love of God. Mm -hmm. Until I can walk in love and see you through Jesus' eyes, you know, there's going to be time that I may do good for a while. Because you're going to have to be able to forgive, going to have to be able to be patient. And only the love of God give you the ability to do that, to never give up on, on, on one another, you know, uh, encourage one another at all times. And again, when you're lit love, when you're walking in love, God is in control. And you know he never loses. You, it might not look like at the time you're winning, but you're going to win. Right. You know, <laughs> every time. Yeah. And I think we've done a lot to touch on many aspects of the why. Um, and maybe before we dive in farther to this, I want to ask the question, what does a resolved situation look like so what is our end point are do we think that there should be no more divides should there be no more no such thing as predominantly black and no such thing as predominantly white churches or is that is that fine or should we strive to have more intermixing or what what does that look like that we should strive by teaching Start by teaching because they can understand, but you can't force. Right, we can't force. Can't force it. But if we can say we can, this would be the mm -hmm. ideal, mm -hmm. what is what is that idea? I know Sister Amos is chuckling. President Amos mm -hmm. looks very, very uh, Pensive. thoughtful. Pensive. Pensive. Yeah. I'll just say this: when we were um, baptized into the church of January twenty first, nineteen seventy nine. Um, 13 members of my family were baptized at one time. So oh. we didn't come in one at a time. We mm. came in a little, little village or a little group. <laughs> right. that, made a, that made a really big splash. We made a big <laughs> splash in the church in Baker, which is now Zachary Ward. Um, one thing that was really hard for us was the culture thing. They didn't 
play the same music that we were used to. Right. I missed Aretha Franklin and the yeah. soul. And, we and, did, they and weren't even singing our, Amazing Grace. For our friends who, were, who are not members that. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh -huh. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints... Our music is boring. Yeah, we, are, we do many things very, very well. Our, our services are a little... Uh, toned down. We'll say that. They're very, very it's with reserved. Your culture. Yeah. In the tradition of, I think it's the traditional yeah, like culture yeah. of okay. white Americans. And, and, and it's and just, the, 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 um, it's spirit filled, but not. Um, it's the opposite of soul gospel music. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. In fact, Gladys Knight um, approached the brethren one time, the, the, the leaders of the church, and said, like, like, you guys are awesome. But your music's boring. Like let me let me do some things, and then she did, did some amazing arrangements of music and put on this this great show and traveled around the country and and uh, touched a lot of hearts. Yeah, I remember her choir fantastic. is amazing. Yeah. So if you want to look at you know what is ideal, I'm looking at the music part because music touches everyone. Yes, yes. Music That's unites no us, mm -hmm. right? So if we can, her choir sings music of all different cultures mm -hmm. and races. So that's the ultimate. Yes. Joining your your yes. Asian cultures with your yes. African cultures, with your yes. European cultures, yes. just bringing all of these different cultures together yes. and in the in the um, celebration of joyous music. Yeah. And that and that's I, one way to I get people all, invited yes. into the church. Mm -hmm. Sounds yeah, like a, a combined activity coming up between the uh, Gonzales Ward and the Divine Grace Temple music <laughs> celebration. This music, <laughs> music will uh, bring uh, them this, in. Two things. Uh, one, one, one thing is uh, music and sports bring people together. Yeah. But don't you know that the love of God is more stronger, more forceful than both of those? Yeah. Think about the little love of, what the love of God would do if we just really put ourselves in it. Mm -hmm. You know. But this is good. We need to. Make plans. I agree. And, I, and, and God started me doing this in Chicago. <laughs> well, my, my, in, in sorry, I, I don't want to be a stickler, yeah. but before we get too far off on this wonderful plan, yeah. um, want to get back to yeah, the, yeah, yeah. what, what is We're the solution? Because we talked about music, but what, what's the solution there? So we talked about differences in music. The solution, or what is the the, no, big, yeah. the big picture? What does it look like in the end? Yeah, what does it look like in the end? Not necessarily the solution right now. What does it look like in the end? So is this one of Stephen Covey's habits, seven habits of highly effective people, begin with the end in mind, right? But, I would say that's a gospel principle, yeah. but he probably uh, stole it, right? Uh, well, it is a gospel principle, right? Because God began with the end in mind, right? Our, his glory is to bring to pass our immortality and eternal life, and that's why he sent us here, right? He already saw the end right. before the creation ever Covey began. just monetized it. Yeah. So... Um, but again, my thought is, and it, you're talking about such a vast yeah. and expansive view of things, mm -hmm. but I don't think that it has to be, although it could be, a mixing of races into different congregations. If that's not comfortable for people, I don't think the Lord is forcing us and saying, hey, to follow me, you have to be uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? You have to go against the grain. Now, there are some things he asks us to do that stretch our abilities and put us in situations that might not be what we would choose for ourselves. But generally speaking, his plan eternally is for us to be in a place where we're most comfortable, eventually to end up where we are most comfortable and happiest. Um, Although and there's so, frequent discomfort along the way. Along the way, always, that's right. Always. That's right. <clears throat> but I don't think his plan is to say, okay, I'm going to force you to worship in a, in a place God don't force. with people that make you uncomfortable. God don't force. And so 
I think you could have congregations yeah. that are predominantly black or congregations that are predominantly white because, you know, hey, I'm not a very good dancer. So when I go to Pastor Harvey's church, they they can move. Yeah, I feel like a, an eighth grader at my first yeah, high school dance. Right? When the first yeah. time I went, I was like, Wait, oh, can, I'm a little got, too stiff. Pastor oh, no. Harvey's up there. I, he's got the hips of a, of a 25 year old. You know, I pay for it the next night, dude. That's not something I've been blessed with. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not the physical, it's the spirit That's right. in your heart. And I think and we if know we that. are following we Jesus Christ and we're teaching his doctrine, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter necessarily yes, as yes. long as when we walk out of those doors, mm-hmm. I still love Brother Harvey. I That's still it. love President That's and Sister it. Amos. Right. They love me and yes. I would do whatever I could That's to help it. either one of them, any one of them, in any way possible. And I know that they would do the same for right. me. I think there is your end goal of saying, I see everybody the way the Lord sees Right. Well, let's draw out some of President Amos's pensive thoughts. You haven't, you haven't shared anything in a while, so I want to hear your perspective on this. What does the end goal, what is the end goal? What does it look like? I, I, I think the end goal is all of it. It's if you're in Ghana, it's going to look like Ghana's. If, if you're in Tonga, it's going to look like Tonga's. In the United States, if you're in a neighborhood that's 95% black, it's going to look black. If you're in a neighborhood that's 95% white, it's going to look white. But if they're all having the exact same uh, leader, mm-hmm. being Jesus Christ, it ain't going to matter. That's right. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. All right, well, maybe let's dive in again. That's good. Is there anything else you want to say, hon? I feel like we can no, keep going and dive into specific things. Uh, is there any issue about this that is weighing heavily upon your hearts? The thing that worries me so much about it is that just as it's an individual conversion, just as it's an individual change of heart, too often when we speak about a black church or we speak about a white church, we totally generalize everybody that belongs there. Right. Mm-hmm. We say, okay, the people in the white church are this way. There are some people at our church who can dance. I just don't happen to be one of them. <laughs> right? But... I think so often we paint, we take out that broad brush Mm -hmm. and we just paint everybody that's in that one building or in that one group. Mm -hmm. And and I think it goes back to what Sister Amos was talking about earlier. As soon as you start identifying me or wrapping me in some type of a label, it makes it hard for me even to be comfortable to get outside of that. Right, I feel like okay. Well, that's what I I mean. That's the way it is. It's just the way it's got to be. So how do we? How do we? Avoid that, but then also honor the differences and right. value the differences. So I think yeah. it, it comes down to this, dialogue, mm-hmm. right? When I say things, I have I to be careful with what I say. The words I say have meaning. They carry weight. Mm-hmm. And so if I do that, mm-hmm. if I, in, the way, in my discourse, paint with a broad brush, how could I expect anybody to be different? Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's on an individual basis. Am I careful with the things I say? Am I careful in my thoughts and my actions and the way I feel? Mm-hmm. And then it goes... Am I teaching that to my children? Mm-hmm. Are we teaching that to our congregants? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about that in our one-on-one interviews? Mm-hmm. And you know, are the Amoses talking about that with their missionaries? I mean, you talk about missionaries. You have missionaries from diverse backgrounds. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they have to learn to be accepting and understanding and how to maneuver because okay. they're face to face with people on an individual right. basis every A day. A part of adjusting to the mission is the missionaries can come from anywhere in the world. 
and now they're in Louisiana. Right. And so that's a big culture difference for many of them. And so we have to help them to adjust to the culture of the people. And um, the hospitality is even different from different parts of the United mm-hmm. States, where when you come down to the South, there's a lot of love here. Your family. People, <laughs> your family, yeah. You, you, um, you'll talk to a lot of people, and they'll share a lot of personal things. And some of the missionaries aren't even used to talking to people at all. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you do have to... Uh, talk and I, I like the the, um, the concept of talking to people, having that dialogue, and learning the different cultures. It I know in corporate America, when you have an international company or international business, if you're going to go to Japan, you're going to learn Japanese culture before you send your top executives over there, so that they're not offending other people. And so in this church, since we are churches want to become worldwide or we can be worldwide we really do need to spend more time learning about what are the cultures of african americans what are the cultures of these different people in different places and get to know them and one way to do that is to go into these areas and talk to them or invite them in and if they won't come then we go to them so we've got to get together and start talking about the issues that's awesome. That's and I think when you start doing that, you will see, like um, Pastor Harvey said, um, we really are the same. Yeah, yeah. If you come down to it, there's only maybe a few small amounts, small amount of differences. Yes, yes, yes. But we never know that until we start the dialogue. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there have been so many good things that we, we've talked about today. And so what, uh, unless Emily has some contradicting opinion. No. Uh, I was thinking we could, there's one verse I want to share from the Book of Mormon, and then I want to dive into specific what can individuals do. So we talked about loving, but what does loving look like on the ground for people who may be struggling to figure out how to express this love to their brothers and sisters, especially brothers and sisters of a different race or different background. So there's this one verse in 2 Nephi that goes along so well with the things we've been saying, and I think kind of emphasizes the points that that, uh, Bishop Richardson and and President Amos recently made. It says, For my soul delighteth, so again, this is 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 3, For my soul delighteth in plainness, for after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding, for he speaketh unto men according to their language unto their understanding. So the Lord is very personal in his message. And uh, he is very willing and engaged in the process of delivering his message in a way that makes sense to the hearer. And so it, it makes sense, like President Amos talked about, that in different parts of the world or in different communities, that the, the churches are going to have a flavor of that community. And that is, I would say, divine and intentional. And so maybe, you know, my original uh, proposal when I was coming to this conversation was we should try and work on, like, eradicating these boundaries and make, making it so there aren't white churches or black churches. But, you know, maybe that's not the solution. Maybe the solution is, like we're talking about, loving and yeah. kind of... Just start out loving and communicating. Right. Loving. So let's not dive into... So so you don't like to change. God, <laughs> right. would do it. God would do it in time to his love. Right. Um, but so... So we don't have to wait for God to make us do it, right? right. So we know God loves us. Right. He loves our brothers and sisters. Right. So let's engage in, in this process of, of making these changes. So we've talked about love, and it all comes back down to the love of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Let's get some specifics for our listeners, especially those who are maybe struggling with this, who are really wanting to do something but don't know how. 
I hate to be the bearer of bad news and certainly not wanting to contradict you who are in charge of this whole thing. <laughs> um, but when we talk about an individual experience, that guidance about what we do is also going to be individual. Mm-hmm. Because what the Lord wants me to do is going to be different than what he's going to ask Pastor Harvey to do or what he might even ask you to do or whatever. That means different. Yeah. And so it really is going to come down to a matter of personal inspiration. Mm-hmm. Now, you can, you can throw out some, some things that might, people might be inspired to do, like attend another church like Pastor Harvey said. Go to a church of a different faith or a different race and just be there. Go to the experience. Get it, you know, or find somebody of a different race mm-hmm. and ask them if they will go have lunch with you and just talk about things. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's going to be something that's maybe outside some people's comfort zones. You can learn a lot of things just by listening to different podcasts or reading different articles or books or, you know, studying about, like for me, in preparation for this and over the last several months, I've studied the history of racial divide among churches. Well, that's been interesting to me and been enlightening to help me understand why it is the way it is so that I can be more sympathetic to what the situation is for everybody. Right. I love that idea of Mm -hmm. self-education. If you're not familiar with African-American history, go learn it. Learn it. There Um, are plenty of resources. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there on African-American history, and then you'll have a better, I think you'll be be able to understand why some of the African-American people feel the way they do. There's there's a lot of bad stuff out there, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. things that were done that were just awful, inhumane, just awful. And so if you, you just educate yourself on some of those things, and that might help you understand why African Americans don't trust doctors. <laughs> they have this problem with trusting doctors because of some of the, the horrible things that were done to the them. Yeah, so our, you know, uh, a lot of um, research and studies have been done on African Americans that, you know, Right. It was like just testing and testing, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Testing. Yeah. Or um, yeah. even, uh, I, I'm very familiar with the Tuskegee Airmen who were taught that, you know, African Americans weren't as smart as as white people and they didn't think they could fly airplanes mm-hmm. and operate the machine guns at the yeah, same right. time and they come out of the war with the best record for defending in, in, in the um, World War II. So just educate yourself, self-educate, learn the African American history. There's a lot of inventors um, that have not been given credit. <laughs> Everybody was so excited about the Hidden Figures movie where you find out there's an African-American woman who was a computer that helped our nation into the space program. Um, I worked for NASA for 30 years and I had never heard of Katherine Johnson until that movie came out. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why? Why don't we know, it's, it's, it's American history. Mm-hmm. Why don't we know American history? Why have these people, why are all these people hidden? Mm-hmm. Why are these studies hidden? Absolutely. So that can help you to understand you know why some uh, African Americans feel the way they do. So I love that idea of self-education. I also like the idea of uh, uh, inviting someone to dinner or having lunch with someone that's not your race. And it's got to be somebody that you feel comfortable with and you trust so that they will open up and share some of their heartfelt feelings and be open to it and don't judge. Don't judge. I think maybe we have three, two or three minutes left. So any last Things, President Amos, anything you want to share? I would say um, when, when I think about missionaries that's from all over the place and end up in all the places, right? right. We have 
missionaries from Utah who uh, clearly had not been in a, a diverse area, from Idaho that had never been in a diverse area, and are serving in Jackson, Mississippi downtown. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Or and, Louisiana or something. And they strive at touching those people's lives because they care more about those people than they do all of their prejudices. And I think that's the key, is how do we get people to care more about people mm -hmm. than their own prejudices? That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Start, you know, you said, you said, what can you do? Start from where you are. If those of you that got it in your heart to help, start from where you are, uh, help who you can, the closest person to you. That's all you got to do, you mm -hmm. know. Your neighbor or, or stranger that needs some help, start there. That's what I did. And, uh, and God would just move and... And, and, and you, he teaches you That's and right. you grow to love people more. Uh, it, it just falls in place, you know. Start for where you are. Yeah. All right, this is so awesome. The best you can with what you got. Yeah. Emily, Thank do you have you. Any, any takeaways? Well, I think my biggest takeaway is that kind of what you said earlier, I came into this conversation already thinking, like, well, this divide must be a bad thing we have to mix. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm kind of leaving with the... Um, the need to educate myself more um, and to also not just judge that as being a bad thing, the mm -hmm. divide, to be a bad thing. And right. maybe it's not like it's not like a forced divide. It's where people are feeling comfortable. Right. Well, that's, originally that's it might have been okay. a forced divide, but mm -hmm. it's kind of evolved right. and taken on a new shape and new meaning. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think my perspective has changed a lot. Yeah. Um, but then also I just... Personally, my biggest takeaway too is that I want to be, I want to do a better job of educating myself and making um, contact more often with people of different races than I am, mm -hmm. and to just be more open about that. In right. General. So yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I love what you're saying. I think, uh, again, this idea of, uh, you know, striving harder to make, how do I say this? I think I have holy envy for. Uh, black churches in America and the fact that they're able to kind of be a center of community because we felt that when we with our time in or during our time in Russia the church was very much that I mean it was very much a center of community mm -hmm. you know like anytime a member had a birthday there was always a birthday party <laughs> and like all the missionaries had birthday parties together the members threw for them and it was just very very interconnected it really was a center of community and I want to be engaged in you know taking that wonderful example from our black brothers and sisters and applying it. There's so many other good points. Go ahead and give us a listen, probably three listens, so you can get all the great points out of it. We, I would love to maybe do something like this again. I think this is we can dive into some more specific topics uh, if time allows in the future. But I think that's it. Yeah. This all has right. been great. Thank you so much. Thank guys. you so much, guys, so much. Thank you for putting it on. Thank you. It's been great. It's great. Thank you. Keep the faith. Yeah.